And there's always a price to be paid. And we're going to look at that. If you remember last week we talked about Jesus being baptized. He was in the Jordan River. This is the immediate action starting chapter 4. And it says the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert. This area around the Jordan River just north of the Dead Sea is a very barren area. Nothing grows. The soil is white. At, at nighttime it's very cold and it's barren. There's wild animals there. And we think, why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus immediately after the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased? How many of us as little children really enjoyed and desired from our parents their giving us good praise? We love that. And we love to do that to our children and even now our grandchildren. And the Father had just said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was sent by the Father. But now it says the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into this barren environment. And in the spiritual world, he's about to be confronted by the very king of evil himself, Satan, the devil. When we look at this word being led by the Holy Spirit, in the Greek it has the understanding that he wasn't just kind of led gently, it's he's thrust into this environment, into this environment of spiritual desert, barrenness. In Greek, the word tempt is parazo, and it means to test, to examine. And that is actually the same word in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for tempt is nasa, and it means to test, to prove, to try. And let's look at one verse in the Old Testament from Genesis. This is dealing with Abraham and Isaac. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, he's not tempting him to sin. He's tempting him to try how much he loves God. That God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Remember, Abraham became a daddy of Isaac at the age of 100. He loves this boy. And now God says, go offer him as a sacrifice. But do you know that this temptation of Abraham is not to cause Abraham to sin, but for him to, when he offers him son, to show how much he loves the Lord, that was the beginning of blessings through the Abraham begat Isaac begat Jacob. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. These are the last two verses of chapter 3 of Matthew, and now we're starting in 4. And this is setting the table for what we're going to look at today. James, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. This word for temptations is not counted all joy when you fall into sin, Counted all joy when God sets obstacles or events in your life that try you. God says, count it all joy. Why would you count it a joy when you have these trials that come into our life? Because as we cast our burdens upon the Lord, He returns that with blessings. And that's only in the physical realm. How many of us have prayed, even in the last month, and have seen answered prayers? When we get to heaven... The joy will truly be made manifest because he has rewards for us every time we're tried and we don't submit to sin. Matthew 4, 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger. I heard a, a pastor say about that verse, that may be the understatement of the Bible. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungered. 
Probably all of us in this room would almost be at the point of death. Think about it. it in a desert, it gets very cold. How many calories do we consume when our body gets cold? It's like we can't get enough food. And Jesus was out there for 40 nights. Romans 4.17 For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus was submitted in the physical realm to 40 days of hunger and being with the wild beasts. But he was with the Holy Spirit in the spirit world. And that's where he's really getting his meat and drink. Not from the physical body needs, but from the spiritual. This is a picture, by the way, for all of us in this room. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The things of the world end up in death. God doesn't want us to participate in those things or to love those things. He's saying, love not the things that are in the world, which are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are not of the Father, but are of the world. And as we're going to look at these three temptations, it's also interesting to note that Jesus was tempted in one category of lust of the eyes, another category of lust of the flesh, and another category of pride of life. And all of the sins that we ever commit fall into one of these three categories. Matthew 4, 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. He's introducing the idea of doubt. If you be the Son of God. How many times in our life have we had a trial come and we were expecting an answer yesterday and we start to doubt? That is the seed that Satan is trying to put into God's mind at this point. And it, it baffles the mind. It, you can do circles when you think about this. Here is Satan. He's a created being. He's an angel that fell. He's under the curse. He knows he's created by God. He knows the Bible inside and out. As he, we're going to see, he quotes it. He knows Jesus made him because Jesus is the creator of all. And yet he's saying to him, if you're God, doesn't that seem like just a little bit arrogant, arrogant crazy, full of pride, sinful? 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. This is Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica, and he's saying, I can no longer forbear, I need to know. I sent to know about your faith. Has the tempter tempted you? Is our labor in vain? Many of us will be tempted, have been tempted, or are currently in temptation. Is the word of God in vain in our life? Or is the word strong enough for us to draw upon the power of the word? Where will a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's the way we keep clean in our life. Hebrews 1.8. This is the father speaking to Jesus and Satan trying to put doubt if Jesus is God. This verse claims Jesus to be God. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. The scepter is that, almost like a mallet, that a king will hold in his hand. And it's proof that he's the king. It's a symbol of his power and his authority. Jesus' power and authority symbol is the symbol of righteousness, the scepter of righteousness. Jesus is God. 1 John 3, 8. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. All of us in this room commit sin, but if you're saved today, if you're a Christian today, your sins are under the blood. And in God's eyes, you're no longer a sinner. We have to pay the price of the sin in this flesh. 
But in the spirit world, we will only receive rewards at the Bema Seat. Anybody who is not saved, this verse says, he that commits sin is of the devil. They are not God's child. They cannot say, Abba, Father. And as Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Anybody who's not saved, they're in the spiritual world. Their father is the devil. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the son of God. If we want to overcome the sin of the world in our life, first thing we need to do is to believe and repent and receive Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior. That's how we overcome sin in the world. The lost person has no idea. He has no spiritual power to overcome the sin in his life. Point number two, our response to temptation reveals our true character. Pastors will always say, Whatever you do, when nobody is around, when nobody's watching you, that's your true character. But it's also important to understand that this is a battle in the spiritual world that each one of us has to go through. I can't fight the battle for my six kids. And my parents can't fight the battle for me. Jonathan, you can't fight that battle for Jacob. And vice versa, Jacob, you can't fight that battle for Jonathan. I mixed you both up this morning and he was laughing. <laughs> He's going to show me a picture where you look like twins. Here I'm talking to you and I'm saying this. <laughs> Our parents get wrong, so it's... So okay, no okay. But the point is, you can influence, Jonathan, you can influence Jacob. But at the end of the day, you will stand at the Bema seat to give an account for what you've done. All of us will stand at God's judgment seat. To give the account. Matthew 4 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus is quoting scripture to the devil. And that's perhaps the best way to fight sin in our life. There are certain temptations that come into my mind. I have scriptures that I quote. And it seems in, invariably when I start to quote those scriptures, my mind is cleaned of whatever that thought, anger, lust, whatever it might be, and a sense of peace comes. That's what we need to do because God's word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus has just been tempted, lusts of the flesh. Make these stones into food. And he replies with the word of God. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy 8.3 And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that, thou, that man thou not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Jesus is quoting from scripture, Deuteronomy 8.3, when he's talking to the devil. And he says that he might make Thee know that man does not live by bread alone. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means how our soul becomes clean in the spirit world. It's the process of sanctification. And this word is telling us we need to sanctify through God's word. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Amen. Not only does God's word cleanse us and keep us clean and protect us, it's our hope. Paul said, if there's no afterlife, if there's no, no eternity, we're of, of men most miserable. But Jesus is our hope. There is a heaven. There is eternal life. There is light beyond the grave. Ephesians 6.17 To take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do we fight Satan? Word of God. Amen. Matthew 4.5 Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. The holy city is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is on a mountaintop. And Satan takes Jesus and puts him at the very pinnacle 
of the temple, which is very high. It makes you also wonder why Jesus would allow the devil to take him up there, especially for a person who might be afraid of heights. That's not a place I would want to go, especially with the devil. But Jesus went up there with him. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So in the physical world, I don't like heights. But in the spiritual world, I can abide, what does this say? In the secret place of the Most High. Jesus says, draw nigh unto me. I'll protect you. Where is the secret place of the Most High? In the spirit world, we don't really know because we can't see into the spirit world. But this says we can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And Satan doesn't like to be around where the Holy Spirit is. They're at enmity with each other. They're enemies. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed, lest he fall. When we think we can fight Satan on his turf, on his grounds, we will fall. Take heed, lest he fall. We think about Peter in the Bible. He said, I will die for you, Christ. And Jesus looks at him and said, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me thrice. And indeed he did. Hebrews 2, verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. This is speaking of Jesus. He was tempted in all the manner that we are tempted. Because he didn't sin, because he suffered all the temptations, he understands all the trials and the temptations that every one of us in this room go through. And it says he is able to succor us. Succor means protect us, to nourish us, to take care of us. And in the spirit world, we can't see what's going on. That's why it's important for us to pray to the Lord that the evil doesn't steal the word from our mind or our heart. Did you ever have an idea that just pops in your mind and you wonder, where did that come from? Those are fiery darts that are in the spirit world. We need to put on the shield of faith to fight against demons and the devil and evil. Hebrews 4, 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. That's a double negative. So in other words, we have a high priest who has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. We can trust in Jesus because he went through all the temptations, but he never sinned. Just like a little boy or a girl will rely on their dad or their mom, because in their eyes when they're three, daddy's the strongest man who ever lived. And reality sets in. That's a picture. We can rely on God because he is the strongest of all powers. Because he's God. Everything is under his authority. Matthew 4, 6. Back to Satan talking to Jesus. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Once again, Satan is saying, if you're God, he's basically challenging Jesus to do something to prove he's God. And you notice Satan is quoting scriptures. He knows the Bible. Satan knows the Bible better than we do. He's been studying it for thousands of years. You know, when we experience something firsthand, we tend to remember it. Satan experienced firsthand the Garden of Eden, Noah's flood, Abraham, Ishmael, Sarah, Noah, all the way through Jesus' birth. And now he's tempting him. He knows the complete history of man. Also, isn't it interesting that Adam and Eve, in a perfect environment, they were tempted and they gave in to the sin. Jesus, in the most harsh of environments, doesn't give in. Psalm 91, 11 and 12. These are the verses that Satan is quoting. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. 
They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Satan stopped his preaching right there. He should have went to the next verse. Look at the next verse, Psalm 91, 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. That's talking about him, Satan. He's going to be defeated. Do you notice he didn't say the next verse? We don't like to um, a lot of times admit the weaknesses in our life. But Satan was called on the carpet right there. Luke twenty-two forty. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. How do we put this shield of protection around us in the spirit world? The most effective thing to do is to pray. Pray a shield, a hedge of protection. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. Again, this is Paul addressing the church. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Paul is saying they were willing not only just to teach them and treat them like little children, and indeed they were little children, babes in Christ. He was pouring out his soul into this church. He loved this church so much like a nurse cherishes a little baby. That's the way God cherishes us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Point number three. Evil seeks to destroy good men and frustrate God's grace. The ultimate goal for evil, for the devil, is to send souls into hell. Once we're saved, we can't lose our salvation. But his next most effective weapon is to hurt the testimony of somebody who's a Christian. To plant seeds of discord into the families of Christians. To put brother against sister is what he wants to do. He wants to create anger and wrath and bitterness. These are the weapons that Satan has. Evil seeks to destroy good men. Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus responds to the temptation with the word of God. Let's look at Exodus 17, 7. Now these were the children of Israel tempting God. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is God really here? We're doing all this suffering. Where is God in our suffering? God doesn't like murmuring against him. Deuteronomy 6.16 Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. This is several books later and God remembers the complaining that the Israelites were doing. God remembers everything. He forgives us of our sins, but he doesn't forget the sins until the judgment seat. Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. When we are in sin, remember the temptation, the trial versus the sin. Jesus here is speaking of the sin. And when we are in sin, the Bible teaches us we quench the power of of God, the Holy Spirit, in our life. This verse is saying they limited the Holy One of Israel through their murmurings and their sin. We don't want to do that in our personal life. If we have sins, confess them. Stop doing them. And the power of God will return. Psalm 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. This is how we fight Satan. God is the fortress. Only in him can we trust. Matthew 4, 8. This is the third time. Again, the devil taking him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. So the second temptation was the pride of life. 
You're on this pinnacle. Throw yourself down. You're God. Prove yourself you're God. Them angels will save you. You're not going to get hurt. That was appealing to Jesus' pride. Now here, he's appealing to God's lust of the eyes. He takes them up into the high mountain. And he shows them all the kingdoms of the world. He shows them China, North Korea, coming over to Europe, Africa, Asia, South America. He shows them all the kingdoms of the world. He's showing them for the purpose of creating this lust of the eyes in Jesus' spirit. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses lived to be 120 years old. The first 40 years of his life, he was in Egypt. He was in Pharaoh's court. And he enjoyed all the things that Pharaoh's court would have, all the things of the world. When he was 40 years old, after he killed the Egyptian, he went into the desert for 40 years. And he lived there for 40 years. And then God called him back to lead Israel out of Egypt, and he led them in the desert for the final 40 years of his life. But it says when he was come to years. In the physical realm, when a man is 20, 25 years old, he's come to years. He's physically grown. But in the spiritual world, you come to years when you're spiritually mature. And he was spiritually mature at the age of 40. And he chose to suffer affliction rather than to enjoy those pleasures of sin which lasted only a season. Eventually he would die if he didn't abide to God's word and he would have to face the penalty of those sins. Hebrews 11.26 This is the next verse talking about Moses. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Reproach means something that looks down upon you. And he thought, I don't want God looking down upon my soul, upon what I'm doing with my life. Because we have to give an account for everything we do. And he thought of this reproach of Christ of higher value than all the riches in Egypt. And then he says, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Recompense means it's an accounting. And he knew that the rewards in eternity would far outweigh anything he could ever have in the physical life. 1 Peter 1.6 Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. We're going to have seasons of joy, and we're going to have seasons of temptations. And we're going to have seasons, if we fall into the temptation and yield to the sin, we're going to have seasons of pain for the sin. And God says there will be heaviness through these manifold temptations. So in the spirit realm, we should not be surprised. This is the way God has determined the course for our life. 2 Peter 2.9 The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So God knows how to get us out of these temptations. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of those temptations. So when we're walking through these trials in life, pray that God will show us the way out because he does have a preordained path for us to enjoy the benefits of that trial and not to reap any of the consequences, the negatives of that trial. Revelation eleven fifteen. This is addressing the issue of it's kind of crazy for the devil to offer all these kingdoms to God when they're already his. Mm -hmm. Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. See, Satan has a season of power now he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the king of the world at this point. And really, this is why he could offer them to Jesus. 
Jesus has given him a small space, a small window in time, in the dispensation of time, where he's the God of this world. So he had the authority to offer those kingdoms. Here we see in Revelation, Jesus takes them back. Matthew 4, 9. And the devil said unto Jesus, All these things will I give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Satan is asking God to worship him. How many people in this world worship Satan? I read on the news today, there's some lady, I think she was from England, she said she's praying curses, devilish curses. She's a witch on the president. There are people who sell their souls for power of devil, of Satan. They don't know what they're playing with. They don't know how powerful God is and how short the borrowed time that Satan has. This is the verse that I was referencing before in Zechariah. The setting here is Joshua, he's a high priest. And the vision, he's before God at the judgment seat. And it says he has on filthy clothes. In the spirit world, he's a great sinner. But he's saved. We're all sinners. We're all going to have filthy garments because we all sin. And Satan comes to accuse him. Let's read these verses. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. That's God. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. He's trying to bring to light all of these sins of Joshua. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke you. O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is this not my child pulled out of hell? Is this not the redeemed of the Lord? If you're a Christian today, you're a brand plucked out of the fire of hell. And Jesus will be our advocate to the Father when Satan comes to give the account of all the sins that I've done or the sins of any of you in this room. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we're, now we're looking at a couple of verses that who will indeed inherit the earth. Satan is offering this to Jesus if he will bow down. And Jesus claims them in Revelation. And now he says, somebody will inherit. Matthew 5, 5, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Romans 4, 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Who's going to inherit the world? Who will be the heir of the world? Christians. Not the Jews. Not through Abraham's seed. This isn't by works of righteousness. It's not by the law. It's through faith. And we as Christians will inherit the earth. Hebrews 2.7 Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. This is speaking of man. In the human flesh, we are lower than the angels. One day, we will judge the angels, and they will serve us. But today, in the flesh, we're lower than angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. One day, we will be set over the works of God's hands to rule with the authority given from God. All right, the last point here, four, number four. When we submit to God and resist the devil, evil will flee from us. Matthew 4.10. Then saith Jesus unto the devil, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. God is not going to let any other false god come in the way of his glory. There's a pastor that I like to hear him preach. His name is Paul Washer, and he's got many, many sermons on the internet. And he says at the judgment seat, and this is such a vivid picture, Jesus is going to be there, and he's going to see all of the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus is going to go, that's mine. That's mine. Yeah, that's mine. Everything in creation is Jesus. It's all his. Exodus 23. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's a command. How many people in America have gods, false idols before Jesus? Money, their job, their family, their business, 
entertainment, drugs, alcohol, sex, you name it. Whatever the sin pattern is, if they put that before God, that's a false idol and God will judge. Deuteronomy 5.7, thou shalt have none other gods before me. God's very clear on this. He is going to be preeminent and there will be nobody else that will take his glory because everything is God's. Deuteronomy 6, 13 and 14. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods, little g other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. We should not be chasing after the entertainment lifestyle. That's not godly. That's not going to help us in the spirit world. You know, we can spend an hour in devotions in the morning and really have the unction of God on us to start our day. And we can look at one video or listen to one show on the radio or turn on one broadcast on television and it's gone. And all of a sudden our sanctification is gone. And it's like we're chopped off at the knees in the spirit world. We don't need the garbage of the world in our minds and our hearts. Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods, the little g gods, which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord, capital L, capital O, R, capital R, and capital D, Jehovah. Serve the true God and do it with sincerity and in truth. Jesus railed upon the Sadducees and the Pharisees as being hypocrites. And sometimes in my life, I see the hypocrisy that I have. God doesn't want that. That's not being sincere before his throne. Matthew 4, 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. In the spirit world, we have guardian angels, and there are angels that God has set to protect us. Just as those angels came and ministered unto the Lord, they will minister unto us if we draw nigh unto God, live a clean lifestyle, and ask for that hedge of protection in the spirit world. Now we're going to look at a couple closing verses, and these are practical ways for us to fight temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Probably many of you have memorized this verse. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. There's no temptation above what we can take in the spirit world. Sometimes it feels like we're right at the edge and the water's up to our mouth and we're about to drown in the spirit world. But God will always give a way to escape. Remember Joseph, when Potiphar's wife was tempting him? What did he do? He ran. He ran away. Mostly, most of the time, that's the easiest thing for us to do. We get a bad thought, put a scripture in there. There's a bad show on television, turn it off. You're driving in the, on the road on the radio and the guy's giving some stuff that's not nice, click it off. Put on some hymns or put on a message or the word of God, something. We can always escape the sin that confronts us. Ephesians 6, 16 and 17. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts, all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have the most powerful weapon in the spirit world. It's a sword. The Bible is the sword of the Lord. We can use that to fight the devil and evil in our life. James 1.12 Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. There's a number of crowns that we can get for eternity. The martyr's crown, for example. When we endure these temptations, God will give us a crown, the crown of life. And these are the crowns that we get to cast at Jesus' feet in eternity. We really don't know all the things about those crowns, but crowns denote power. And God will give in the spirit realm into eternity power to these people, men and women, who have served him these crowns. Don't you want to have this crown? 
Blessed is the man that endures temptation. You can have this crown if you endure these temptations as a test, not as a sin. James 1, 13 and 14, the next two verses. This goes back to the coin. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. So on the coin, the tests, Jesus tests us, but he doesn't tempt us with evil. Look at the next part of that verse. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We decide to sin. Jesus was tempted. There's no sin in temptation. It's when we decide to act on the temptation. That's when it becomes sin. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That's an internal thing. We want what we think is the pleasure of that sin for this so short season. I always think of David in the Bible when he took Bathsheba. He only had her for the afternoon. They called her in the afternoon and she was returned to her house in the evening. And that few hours of pleasure of sin, look at what it cost him in his family. The sword never left his family. James 1, 15 and 16. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Look at how James advises us. Do not err, my beloved children. This is so clear. When lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. The wages of sin is death. No matter how enjoyable the pleasure of that sin, no matter how short the season, it will end in death. And in the spirit world, Jesus has to pay the price for that death of that sin, or we can't go to heaven. 1 Peter 1.7, this is the last verse for today, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. If you go through these trials, God has a crown for you. And look what it says. It might be found to the praise and the honor and the glory. These trials that try your faith, if you successfully walk through those trials with the Lord, God has rewards for you, and it will be found to your praise and your honor and your glory. And Jesus will appear again. Now, any glory that we get into eternity, it's only because God gave it to It all goes back to him. But God loves us so much that he has rewards based on the trials and the tribulations and the temptations that come into our life that we do not fall into the sin pattern with. When we say, Lord, I'm going to take this trial, this temptation, and today I'm going to fight it. And I'm going to overcome it through your power. Jesus, help me. And when that sin goes away because the evil will depart, look at Satan left him for a season. He came back, but for a season, Jesus was on the mountaintop again. And the joy of the Lord was restored. The same thing will happen in our life. And when we successfully fight because the Lord gives us the spiritual power, he has rewards for us when he comes back, and he will come back. Lord, come back quickly, please. Let's close with a prayer. Father, we thank you for these messages. Lord, there's so much power in your word. It's a joy just to look at even a few of these verses today. And Jesus, we all are tempted. Every man will be tempted. Even today, all of us will be tempted. But let no man say when he is tempted, we're tempted of you, Father, because you don't tempt us. It's our own lusts. It's the Adam sin fallen nature in us that causes the lust. But also, Lord, you've given us a way to escape the temptations. And Lord, it's by turning upon you. We need to turn our face upon you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Give us this more of a shield of faith. Increase our faith. We ask this in the spirit world that we would be found in honor before your your throne, Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. And uh, in closing out with one final song here, we'll sing.
The three verses of Victory in Jesus, 473. I think that's appropriate for the message we had today, because that's the only place we'll find victory is in Jesus. Bring us back together safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Y'all are dismissed.